down to catch a body Put on knee deep, we'll turn out your party It gets no love and I thought you knew it Fool, you know how we do it DFS MVP, Holden Kushner, and our director of DFS, TJ Hernandez here. And TJ, thank you so much for playing some Ice Cube. That was just beautiful. Come on, tell us a little more about that music. The classic, uh, you know how we do it. One of the best beats ever for an Ice Cube song, I think. That's off of his 1993 album, Lethal Injection. If you like that song, as well as all of the other great DFS MVP intros, you can find them on our Spotify playlist. Just search DFS MVP on Spotify or just follow me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'm always tweeting out the link to the playlist along with the podcast. Before we get into everything, Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free daily fantasy site. They're bringing the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest, the Hooters main event, the largest and only rake-free contest of its kind that you'll find in week three. Remember, on Fantasy Draft, we are 100% rake-free. All of the entries go to the contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444. That's the number 4-F-O-R, the number 4, and you'll get a free seven-day trial membership. All right, we are getting some new listeners as we look at the data here. So I'll tell you about what we're doing. We do have our week three plays here. We're going to uncover some early season trends in our game theory segment. I also want to remind you, if you sign up for 4 for 4 right now, you get a monster discount, 25% off the DFS sub by using the code DFSMVP. 25% off our DFS subscription. we got a rate and review t-shirt giveaway if you leave a five-star review, you're automatically entered to win. What do you win? If you win, you get a nice, soft, comfortable, nice-looking uh, 4 for 4 t-shirt. It could go with the 4 for 4 Classic logo, or you can rep the DFS MVP. Uh, those are all available to the winners. Uh, my favorite shirt, I think it's your favorite shirt. Uh, and if you give us a nice review, you're entered. I mean, I wear that. I, I took my kid to gymnastics this morning and i wore my four for four shirt and the guy goes what's four for four and i said fantasy football and he was from croatia and he thought it was soccer but i'm like dude <laughs> there's an actual football on here can you not understand what's going on what's going on with you so anyways uh, <laughs> also check out our new pods uh, my pod fantasy first get you caught up on all the news every single day uh, this will be dropping on thursday so you won't you know this will be after Fantasy first drops, but got a lot on Kyler Murray and Cam Newton and a whole bunch of other stuff going on there. And here's what we do for you new listeners. We go through a few of our core plays on the main slates for DraftKings and FanDuel, and then we're followed by a theory segment. So that's what we got here. We want to start a quarterback. And like I was telling you, at least on FanDuel, TJ, I think there's a big decision to make. There's two big decisions to make for me. I'm paying up a defense. On DraftKings, it's easier because of price discrepancy, but I think it's the Cowboys or the Patriots on FanDuel. They're both 5K. And the other one is, how do you attack the quarterback position this week, right? Because you could pay up for a couple of big names like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on what those guys can bring. There is a pivot you're going to talk about, and there's some other players as well. So let's start with Kyler Murray. You brought him up, 7.2K on FanDuel, 5,800 DraftKings. 
taking on the Panthers. Tell me about Kyler Murray, why we should consider him. Before I talk about Kyler, I forgot to give out the winner for the for the podcast review. Uh, Topes uh, one or Topes one T O P E S one. Hit me up on Twitter at T J Hernandez. I'll get you the details on how to get that fresh uh, four for four T shirt. So sorry for getting about that, but good thing we got you before we got into Kyler Murray uh, versus the Panthers. This is a really interesting game, but we'll start on the Cardinal side of it. Uh, Right now, Kyler Murray is six in point projections on both FanDuel and DraftKings, according to four for four projections. Uh, but compared to his projection, he's probably priced down more than any quarterback on the slate. QB 14 on FanDuel, QB 11 on DraftKings. So that makes him the top value quarterback on both sites. Uh, you already talked about. Uh, you, you mentioned Jackson and Mahomes, so we'll touch on them briefly. Um, but if we just think about their prices in general. Tight pricing this week uh, can make it hard to get to Mahomes and Jackson. Uh, it's just, We don't really have a super obvious pay down spot. There might be one, um, but I mean, at, at tight end, uh, we've pretty much already separated the cream from the crop. We don't have much free spots there. You already talked about defense. Uh, it's, it's kind of the top two and then everybody else. And it's scary to get away from the Patriots or, or the Cowboys as huge favorites. So we have to find value somewhere. And quarterback pricing is very flat, even though we know Mahomes and Jackson have the highest floors. Um, Murray is someone that you can consider because he opens things up a little bit. Uh, this should be the fastest paced game of the week. Both of these offenses, the Cardinals and the Panthers, rate uh, rank in the top six in neutral pace, which is seconds per play, according to Football Outsiders. Both rank in the top five in neutral passing rate, which is passing when the game is within a single score. So lots of passing, really fast pace. That's good. That means more plays for everybody. The kind of wrench in this whole thing is Cam Newton's status. Uh, his injury could in theory, slow down the Panthers offense because you have, you never know what a team is going to look like when they have a backup quarterback in there. You would expect that overall efficiency is down. Uh, but Arizona has been able to control tempo. They're near the top of the league in plays ran. The air raid offense has uh, at least done what it's supposed to in that respect. So I don't think even if Cam doesn't play, I don't think it'll affect the game so much that we uh, can't consider Kyler, but it obviously does change things and, and kind of open up a question if uh, do we want to maybe go after uh, Kyle Allen if he ends up playing? Well, that's a big question there. I just want to bring one more thing up about Murray and Ron Rivera brought this up. He's like Kyler Murray, even back in college, he's a pocket passer, mm -hmm. right? We have not seen Kyler Murray run. So yeah. the the idea here, the notion that Kyler Murray is going to get your points on the ground, he's just not going to do it, yeah. uh, at least not yet. I mean, it mm -hmm. could be a game where, hey, listen, Kyler opens it up. He runs for a 60-yard touchdown, and it happens. So, you know, in this day, you really want a quarterback that can pick up yards on the ground. That's why Josh Allen is actually, you know, somebody that we should consider on a week-to-week -week basis. The only concern I have with Murray this week, and I love the pricing, you know, 7.2 and 5.8, but – Listen, the offense is great. You're running four wide, uh, and David Johnson is basically a wide receiver too. I, I'm a little concerned because I have not seen him put up any points on the ground just in case the passing game does struggle. 
Yeah, and and you you mentioned Josh Allen and, and Murray's actually slightly uh, cheaper than Allen on both sides, which is why he pops a little bit more on the value reports. Uh, but yeah, we we still definitely need those touchdowns from quarterbacks on on both sites. You even in cash games, we're looking for. 19 20 points minimum and he hasn't got us that yet in a game um so that this is kind of more just a pricing play here and you mentioned his rushing ability i mean we have we did see him put up big rushing numbers in college and and we haven't seen it yet i think we'll probably see that even out a little bit i don't know that he approaches the josh allen or the lamar jackson type numbers but i i do expect murray to uh by the end of the season give us like that 25 to 30 yards per game, which is, is still quite valuable. Um, and, and it could start this week. I hope so. Sorry about that. I was drinking some water. I hope so, man. You know, I, I want to see the full arsenal out of Kyler Murray. Um, then Dak Prescott, you got him mm-hmm. at 8,400 on FanDuel, 6,500 on DraftKings. And DraftKings is probably the place you want to look at him, right? Yep. Yeah, because if we compare his um, his numbers to to the top quarterbacks, uh, he's one hundred dollars less than Jackson in salary on FanDuel, but eight hundred dollars cheaper than Mahomes, um, uh, and then eight hundred dollars less than Jackson on DraftKings, but eleven hundred dollars less than Mahomes. So compared to the top two uh, quarterbacks, at least in terms of projections, you're getting Dak at a pretty good discount, especially on DraftKings. Uh, obviously, if if you're Thinking about it on FanDuel, most people are probably going to lean Lamar Jackson just because it's only a $100 difference. But Dak is in a, a really good spot against the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins have allowed 51 points per game, which, I mean, we don't expect every team to put up 50 points, but they're probably the worst defense in the league by a pretty wide margin. They've allowed a 14% touchdown rate th- through two games. Again, not crazy sustainable. Most the worst defenses in the league are going to be around that 7-8% rate. Uh, but Dak's been very efficient in his own right. Second in uh, fantasy points per pass attempt and then second in quarterback rushing. It's only through two games, but he, he is going to give you some rushing, which is encouraging because we know he has the ability, but Dallas hasn't really deployed him like that uh, in his first couple years in the league so it's nice to see him averaging 40 yards on the ground per game uh so i mean it's it, again it just comes down to salary it's a tough spot i know a lot of people are going to want to get to Mahomes, get to jackson but the thing you have to remember uh quarterback scoring is is very flat and if you can get that 800 1000 discount it's usually worth it i mean yes mahomes was the qb1 last week but uh dak only scored three and a half points fewer than him so at quarterback, I, yeah, you want, it's sexy. You want the big play. Uh, Mahomes was, he was in the winning GPPs. So that sticks out in people's minds. But if we're really looking at value and, and what you're paying for it, uh, it's, it's pretty rare that it's worth it to pay up for Mahomes in cash. Here's the big, uh, the big question about Dak though, game mm-hmm. script, right? Sure. I mean, now he could get, he could get you monster numbers in three right. quarters. And that's right. that's truly the argument for Ezekiel Elliott, too, who we'll mm-hmm. get to in just a moment. But, I mean, I could see Dak Prescott playing three quarters in a series in the fourth. Right. So can he rack up the same amount of points that Jackson and Mahomes are going to get you? And I think that's what you right. really have to ask yourself. Sure. So the, the thing I'm thinking about, um, in cash games at least, is that if you might lose a little bit of ceiling there, and you obviously still want ceiling in your cash games, but the thing about uh, a situation like this and, and why it's a different than 
uh, New England last week is because we have concentrated offenses versus non-concentrated offenses. Um, so somewhere like like the Chiefs, um, well, Chiefs aren't aren't as extreme as example as the Patriots because Mahomes accounts for more touchdowns, but the Patriots are a really good example. Last week, Patriots scored, I think it was 43 points, um, and you didn't need any of their players to win a GPP. Because they spread their touchdowns around so much, uh, often split evenly, um, not only between rushing and pass, passing, but between the players in the backfield as well as the pass catchers. So you can have a scenario where the Patriots score six touchdowns. They go to five different people. Only two of them went to, went to the quarterback. Uh, in Dallas, I, I th- it's more of a, uh, a big three. We got Dak, Amari, and Zeke. Uh, so if they get to a point where they're in a blowout scenario, if the Cowboys score 40 points, you probably want a piece of their puzzle. You do. Um, and I do wonder if it's the defense this week, you know, and then if you play Prescott, let's say you're going GPP, like who do you pair him up with? That's the question at this point. Um, I know a lot of people are high on Devin Smith, but you know, Devin Smith, is he going to get the volume that you need? So is it just Amari Cooper? I mean, is it it's Dak, yeah. Ezekiel and Amari Cooper? Is that the way to go? Yeah, it, I mean, you don't want to get too cute with just trying to um, pair up your um, your quarterback with like a wide receiver two or three. The, that number one is still going to be the highest correlation play and still going to be uh, the guy that saw the most targets. If I remember correctly, uh, the winner of the millionaire last week, yes, he did have Demarcus Robinson, but I believe he also still had Sammy in that lineup. Um, so you can you can have a not a dud you you still need a, a good game but you don't need to be perfect at every position and again in an offense where it's crazy concentrated like the Cowboys are I don't think it's a spot you want to get cute it makes more sense to do it on a a Chiefs where that number 2 receiver is going to see like you said is going to see the volume still get those like six or seven targets that you need from the number two. I don't think we're going to see that from a, a Dallas number two, at least not at a consistent rate, even in a blowout scenario. Yeah. I hope everyone's off of Sammy Watkins because of down week last week. I, I really <laughs> hope, you know, fade Sammy Watkins, everybody, please, yeah, please right. go do that. So let's talk about the chief stuff, uh, the cheap stuff then. Yeah. Uh, Mason Rudolph, 6,600 mm-hmm. Fanduel, 4,800 DraftKings. I actually like what I saw out of the kid um, sure. last week, couple touchdowns, did throw a pick. He played in just over, a half a football there. You mm-hmm. got Kyle Allen. To me, as we're sitting here on Thursday, we're taping this on Wednesday. I'm going on the assumption that he's playing. I mean, Cam's in a walking boot. Cam right. hurt his foot in the preseason. He re-aggravated it last week. There's no way in hell you could tell me that they're going to run him out there um, as bad as he has been because he has no mobility. So I'm going under the assumption right now that Kyle Allen's going to be in there. Do you like Mason Rudolph, first of all? So if I'm going with one of these um, backup quarterbacks or, or quarterbacks that are starting because of injury, I I need like a really big uh, salary discount. And on a slate where the t- the pricing is already pretty tight, if that pricing discount doesn't get me way up in tiers with one, if not two of my players, then it's probably not worth it, especially in a sp- game where or in a week where you have quarterbacks that are in so many sp- smash spots. So Mason Rudolph is cheap. But he's not minimum salary, and that's a big difference compared to somebody like a Kyle Allen who his status is uncertain, and you're going to get him at the absolute minimum salary if and when Cam sits. So if you look at Mason Rudolph, he's 6,600 on FanDuel. Uh, you can go up to someone like a Matthew Stafford for 6,900 more against a Philly secondary that hasn't been good. 
Um, and if we look on DraftKings, uh, he is priced at, Mason Rudolph is priced at 4800 uh, and you could go up to a Kirk Cousins against a bad Oakland secondary, uh, Jameis Winston for just a little bit more against a bad giant secondary. So it has to be like, for me, for a play like this has to be such a big gap that it's opening up a ton of stuff and you're not giving up a lot at someone at a similar price point. And Rudolph just, I mean, it's fine, but it, he's just not so much cheaper than everybody that I feel like that's the way to go. If, if you're going to do it, I think it has to be Kyle Allen. Not Daniel Jones. I, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> he's not even men's salary on, on uh, DraftKings. I mean, he is on FanDuel, but uh, I mean, he's even, he's only $100 cheaper than Cousins on, on DraftKings. And I mean, I obviously don't love Cousins because Minnesota hasn't thrown yet, but Oakland's secondary is, is in shambles. Uh, and I'd rather see someone that has at least done it before with Thielen and Diggs than have Jones try to do it in his first game, even though Tampa's defense is bad. Um, I, I just don't think that's, that's the smart move. I mean, that's a big question right now, then. Do you pay up? Because, I, listen, Dak, to me, is a GPP play. Although, you could tell me the ownership's going to be as high for Dak and, uh, as Lamar and, and Mahomes, and then, you know, that's a completely different situation. Now we're talking mm-hmm. about if, if Dak's up there, maybe you save the $100 or the $800 compared to Jackson or Mahomes on FanDuel, but... Man, that's it. Like, can Lamar Jackson get me 35 points, which I could really see him doing that. And then if I go with a Kyle Allen at 6K, um, is there enough out there for me to make it up at different positions? So yeah. that's the yeah. big, that's the question I think you're going to be stuck with, at least on on FanDuel this week. Yeah, yeah. It, it just comes down to the tight pricing. And again, it comes down to, um, I mean, if you if you could find that, Oh, if you can open up some salary at another position and we have at least one play that we can do that at. All right. Very good. So let's move on to running back. Now we talked about Dallas and Zeke got a full workload last week. Yep. And I don't know what a, what a full workload is going to look like him for, for him this week. Do they want to rest him a little bit after three quarters? If they're blowing him up, does Tony Pollard get some extra carries again? Sure. Does he snipe him at the goal line? Zeke's 8,800 on FanDuel. He's 8,900 on DraftKings. And he's taken on one of the worst teams that I think in the history of the game. Now, the Dolphins have had a tough schedule to start the year. Let's face it. I mean, this this is their third really good team they got to go up against. Um, the Patriots, the Ravens now, the Dallas Cowboys. So where are you sitting on Zeke when you got other guys like Saquon and, and Christian McCaffrey sitting right around that price point? So the, I mean, we always want that high floor running back. Kind of the generic theory in, in DFS is you want to pay up for the highest floor possible. The running back's going to give you the most uh, predictable touches. I went over the blowout scenario already with Dak and why I think the Cowboys are fine in one of these spots. Uh, so I won't cover that again. Dallas is favored by 21. Um, if they if they're up by 30, um, Zeke likely already is like at least 101, if not 102. So I'm not worried about that too much. Uh, we don't have as many high floor, obvious smash spots as we have in, in the past couple of years at running back right now, just because we have so many question marks, uh, not necessarily with the players or usage, but just the overall offenses. Uh, we have Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara all potentially playing with backup quarterbacks if uh, Cam Newton sits. Now, I I 
do think probably I'm still paying up for um, at least one of those guys, probably Christian McCaffrey, uh, because this just shapes up like a week where I think you you need to pay for a couple expensive running backs. Um, there, don't go down in price at running back just for the sake of value. You want to do that at the less volatile volatile or the flatter scoring. Uh, I'm sorry, the more volatile or the flatter scoring positions. But I think Z got to put Zeke kind of in a tier of his own just because all of those offenses are going to have big question marks around them with those backup quarterbacks in there. Uh, will Saquon and, and Christian uh, McCaffrey still account for 40 to 50% of the team's work? Probably, but do they have any touchdown equity? It's, it's, it's really hard to say. And on FanDuel, that touchdown equity is almost as important uh, as volume, whereas on DraftKings, you can make up for it with the pass catching back. So uh, Zeke might seem obvious, but with all those guys in, in shaky offensive spots right now, I'm, I'm putting him in his own tier one. I kind of like that you got three guys at the top, maybe even four. And I, I wonder mm-hmm. if people are going to be off of Camara too, because he just hasn't had the same... Um, at least production. I don't think the first couple of games this season, but um, it, then you go to CMC. So you make a great argument for Zeke, and it's the first guy I looked at this week. But then if Allen is starting for the Panthers, you would think that CMC is going to get even more work just right. because the offense is going to run through him. and He's going to touch the ball more than anybody. Right. Right. It's just a matter of if, like I said, even if he's still getting that, that 50% touch, like what are the quality of those touches? If they're, if uh, they just sell out and say, we're stacking the box, we're manning up CNC with the linebacker and, and shadowing him. He's not getting more than 10 yards on a play. Go ahead, beat us deep. Our safeties are up uh, and, and let's see what you do. I mean, that's a real possibility anytime you have a backup quarterback in. All right, so then we got Dalvin Cook. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy, my goodness, he's so explosive. He's gonna get, he's gonna break off a seventy-yard run every week. It seems like <laughs> so. It's all about efficiency. You can't predict a seventy-yard rushing no. touchdown or ninety yards or whatever he's gonna give you, eighty yards. But in the preseason, he did it. He's now done it two games to start the season. They're favored. They're taking on an Oakland team that, I mean, their defense sucks. Let's, let's just face it. That's not yeah. a good. Um, <laughs> Through two games, their run defense has been good. I don't think that continues. I I think Dalvin Cook is in a smash spot too. Dalvin Cook's in a smash spot, and I would argue that he's safer than those uh, aforementioned guys, the CMC, Saquon, and, and Kamara, at least this week. Uh, you are getting a discount with Dalvin compared to those guys, and like I said, I think he's as safe as them. Uh, 500 cheaper than than Zeke on FanDuel, 600 cheaper than CMC, $900 uh, is cheaper than Saquon, and then on... Um, on DraftKings, he's down price below $8,000, where all those other guys are $8,700 or above. Uh, favored by eight at home, uh, something that is fairly popular but sometimes can go overlooked. Not only is Oakland on the road, but their West Coast team traveling to the East Coast for the early slate. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's 1 p.m., but it's really like a, a 10 a.m. game for their clock. Um, Minnesota has run at the highest rate in the league that that's a little bit slanted by that first week against the Falcons. If we look at their rushing rate in neutral game script, it's only the 13th highest, but still a very high run rate in a team that's going to, going to run a ton. And like you mentioned, Oakland has, they, they've been good in terms of yardage and, and fantasy points allowed to running backs, but, uh, they are one of the worst teams through the air, which means that it's a really good chance that your offense is going to get in a positive game. 
game script. And Minnesota so far has been one of the best offensive lines in the league, uh, ten, top 10 in adjusted um, line yards per football outsiders. But by the way, let me just tell you about the game theory segment today, and it is early season trends. And I saw TJ tweet and all this, just amazing information. This is basically just research that you're throwing out there on Twitter that's going to help you build a lineup. So I highly recommend following TJ on Twitter. I mean, you can follow me too, but TJ is just thrown out, and we're going to get to this in game theory, but you've thrown out some really interesting trends. It's only two games, but the NFL is such a small sample that you mm -hmm. might want to buy into some of it. So for sure, uh, there you go. So that's Dalvin cook. Here's the guy that I'm a little concerned about. Okay. But I also don't want to be too concerned about him. Aaron Jones has the fourth most rushing touches this year. He's got 36. So he's up there in elite territory. He's 6,900 on FanDuel. He's 6,100 on DK. And a lot of people, after they hear what Matt LaFleur said, they're going to say, cram it up your cram hole LaFleur, okay? Yeah. Because he said he wants to balance out the touches in the backfield. He wants Jamal Williams to get more touches. And I'm going to I'm gonna actually throw a little something else in there. He said it depends on game script, though. Right. So this is an interesting one because it's not the easiest matchup, is it? No, it's not the easiest matchup, but uh, I, I just we usually only give two running back plays here. But giving two expensive guys, I just wanted to give uh, an option if you want to pay down a little bit at the position. Uh, yeah, Lafleur said that, but it's one of those cases where um, numbers don't lie. And I think one thing that coaches are really bad at is, uh, and maybe they're not sitting there and thinking about the numbers intentionally. They're just kind of throwing out cliches. But when they say they want a 50-50 split, um, I don't think they necessarily mean that. I think it's just kind of more hyperbole in terms of they want to get Williams more work. But if we look at Jones through the first two games, 43.2% uh, of the team's touches over the first two games is eighth among all players, 49% last week uh, in a game where the Packers got up. Packers are home favorites this week. We saw Jones get involved in the passing game last week with six targets. So that kind of usage, uh, even if he loses a little bit, I, I'm I guessing that getting Williams more work in our numbers, what we're looking at really ends up being more like a 66-33 split, which is a number we're fine with. Uh, you threw out a four-syllable word, hyperbole, so I'm going to go look that up. But I <laughs> <laughs> here, here's the deal, and you mentioned this. You know, coaches say things, and then they do another thing. Lafleur has been saying this all offseason. He's like, mm -hmm. I want to get a split. I want equal yeah. touches there. And it, that's not how it's worked out through the first two games. So that's a great point that you make. Aaron Jones has been the workhorse in that backfield. So he could say that he wants a nice even split, and that'd be great. You know, it'll save the wear and tear on Jones. But we haven't seen that through two games. He has not right. practiced that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, obviously, you said the game script, uh, home favorites. That's always what we want in running backs. And, uh, and Packers are a nice little favorite this week. All right, wide receiver. Uh, Keenan Allen got a limited practice in with his knee. Nobody should be worried about that. Has anybody seen more value, more volume than Keenan Allen at this point? He's 7,800 on FanDuel. 7,800, so he's kind of like that Tier 2 salary there. He's 7,000. Yep. He's going against the Texans. This could be a shootout here. I mean, Keenan Allen every week should be somebody you're looking at. For sure, and especially this week where I already talked about uh, it's hard to get too cheap at quarterback. Uh, I think it's almost impossible to get cheap at running back and tight end. If you're if you're going punt, which is isn't always a bad thing, uh, you're probably throwing a serious dart. So wide receiver is the spot where you need to save money at this week. And 
traditionally it's the spot to save money at just because it's uh, more of a high variance position than the quarterback or the running back. Your top guys are, are getting you maybe 10 targets, uh, which only often equates to six or seven touches. Uh, that's that's high variance. So Keenan Allen, you're still getting a discount, at, at least right now, compared to the Julios and the DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he is our only wide receiver that registers as a top three wide receiver value on both sites. As of now, he leads the league in target share, 36.8%, just a touch ahead uh, of DeAndre Hopkins. That That isn't sustainable. Your top guys are going to come in right around that 30% range. Every once in a while, you get a 31 to 32% guy. So Keenan Allens will probably drop a little bit. But what I really like to see and what I do think is sustainable is when offensives have very concentrated passing games. And right now, uh, very few teams have a more concentrated passing game than the Chargers. Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler combining for 56% of the team's targets. Obviously, that has a lot to do with Hunter Henry being out uh, beyond Allen and Eckler. Uh, pass catchers are shaky. Mike Williams hasn't been the Mike Williams that he was last year, and even then it was very touchdown dependent. So Allen probably the safest volume bet at his position right now. Uh, you mentioned uh, the sneaky shootout potential. A lot of people are going to be on those teams with the high projected point totals, but I think there could be a lot of points to go around on both sides in this game. Uh, Houston finished the season and came into 2019 season ranked 31st in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. So far this year, they've already allowed the ninth most passing yards. Uh, and that included a game against Hunter Minshew. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Garner Minshew. All right. So that's what we're looking at here at wide receiver at the top end. Larry Fitzgerald is a guy that I, he's no, he hasn't been targeted more in the, his career. He's 36 years old. He hasn't been as targeted as many times as he has in these first two weeks. Um, it's at least 24. I think he had 13 and 11. And the interesting thing with him is, is that Kyler Murray kept looking at him in the end zone. He just wasn't yeah. accurate. It, at minimum three targets in the end zone, not not yeah. in the red zone. I'm talking about in the end zone. He loves Larry Fitzgerald. It's his security blanket. He's going to him time and time again. I do think he's more valuable on DK at 5,100 because you got to mm-hmm. be more touchdown dependent on Fanduel at 5,900. But he's going up against the Panthers this week. And for those of you that just kind of forgot about Larry Fitzgerald, he's getting elite volume. He is a volume play. And I already talked about the the potential pace of this game, and that's pretty much always going to be the case with the Cardinals this year, but uh, against another fast-paced team, that that's obviously a plus. You mentioned those uh, end zone and red zone targets, and that is touchdown equity. Uh, so, yeah, you, you can't make up for it as much as you can um, on FanDuel like you can on DraftKings with volume, but the touchdown equity is there. And even if that wasn't there, his price just isn't matching his volume right now. At least 11 targets in both games. Another plus for DraftKings, he's been over 100 yards in each of those games. Uh, 27% target share. If you look at the leaderboard right now, that doesn't rank very high. But that if that sustains over the course of a season, that's going to be top four or five in the league. Maybe the most interesting thing about Fitzgerald, not just the volume, not just the red zone and end zone work, uh, 11.4 yard average depth of target so far this year. Obviously, we're only two games into the season, but 
That's his highest average depth of target in a season since 2011. It's the first time he's been at least at 10 yards per target since 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's on his yardage depth, not on on uh, yardage per target. That's on how deep he's being targeted. So he's being targeted way further downfield than we've seen in the past. And that's a huge plus because the, the non-sexy Larry Fitzgerald play the last few years has been slot man. He's going to catch a six or seven yard pass and fall down. Sure, he's going to get 11 targets, but it's going to be like a, a six for 55 day and you're not going to win uh, any weeks with that. Well, all of a sudden it looks like he's giving you games where he can win you weeks. You know, I got to play for you. I think it's a GPP before we get to Nelson Aguilar. So you've got, you got James Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was a preseason star again because Mason Rudolph looked at him time and time again. Uh, Dante Moncrief cannot hold on to the ball, whether it's his broken finger or whatever it is, the guy can't hold on to the ball. So I would not be surprised to see Washington get more looks. They're going to San Francisco this week. Rudolph and Washington were teammates at Oklahoma state. They obviously have a rapport. We saw it in the preseason. Yep. I think James Washington just is a deep threat. Um, and probably more on FanDuel just because you're hoping for a big touchdown there. But James Washington is just a guy I want to throw out there because he is on my radar this week. And I will have, I will probably be overweight on James Washington this week. It, it was a little concerning last week that uh, he did only get one target, but you mentioned the preseason, so we kind of have to look at the entire sample. And obviously, it's not, not just going back to college teammates, but we see it time and time again when, when a backup quarterback gets in there, he often uh, ends up heavily targeting like the number off sometimes the number three or four receiver because that's who he's got camp reps with and history with so that is a thing to pay attention to um i the one thing that pittsburgh does have going for rudolph um and james washington uh kind of uh extension of that is that they have been pretty good in pass protection top four in adjusted sack rate allowed uh and if you're gonna hit on those deep balls you need to give your quarterback time uh it's of course, it's it's to be determined how they end up using Rudolph, but um, I mean, as a as a very very cheap dart throw uh, with that rapport, I I can see it. Uh, I think you only need a couple lineups to be overweight, so it's not something I would go crazy with. I don't expect that Washington will. At, at, I I would guess his ownership ceiling is like one point five percent. So I mean, if you're if you play him in in two out of ten lineups, that's that's a lot. If you're playing a hundred lineups, I don't think you need to go like exactly two percent. I think you can maybe play him in like fifteen lineups, and that's still a lot. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean that that's definitely a thing that that we've seen time and time again with backup quarterbacks. You think Hollywood Brown is highly owned this week too? Shootout guy's been a favorite target of Lamar Jackson. Especially just because we saw not just the big plays in week one, but we saw that target share go way up last week. So uh, that'll definitely drive his ownership there. The, I mean, we, everybody has a cap on ownership because only so many people can be so highly owned and ownership has to, ownership is finite because, uh, it can only add up to a certain number. But I, I would expect him to be in the double digits, which is high for a pass catcher. All right. Here's our guy then, Nelson Aguilar in, do you think this? Do you think Aguilar's will be the highest owned wide receiver this week? Because he's forty eight hundred Fanduel, he's thirty six hundred DraftKings. They're taking on Detroit, and this is not really a punt because he he had what was it seventy eight percent of the snaps last week. Mm-hmm. He scored a touchdown. Alshon Jeffrey's calf is bad. They're reporting that he could be out two weeks. Uh, Deshaun Jackson out two weeks. He has an oblique injury. I mean Nelson Aguilar. 
he's in my cash lineup. Like he's already there. I, I can't take him out. I have locked him in right now. And this is, it isn't official that, uh, that Deshaun and, and Alshon are out, but everything is, is trending that way. It looks pretty unlikely that either of them are going to play. So, uh, Nelson Aguilar, we've already talked about it quite a few times on this podcast. We don't have a lot of obvious cheap values or, or obvious really pay down spots. So you have to save somewhere. Um, I don't know how people get away from this in cash on either site. Uh, he, he actually paid 96% of the snaps last week on those 96%, uh, snaps. He saw 11 targets, which accounted for 23% target share. And Detroit so far has been bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, raw data can be a little shaky, but early in the year, it's, it's all we have to work with. Um, so Aguilar is, I mean, he's pretty much the only pay down spot, uh, that that I see now. I I would mention um, I'm I'm not going to fade him in cash, but Detroit's slot corner has played quite good this year. Uh, they have gotten to some situations like last week with Keenan Allen, where they got stuck with a linebacker or a safety on the slot guy. Um, but but when they get their slot man down, uh, Aguilar could uh, have his work cut out for him. So I, I do think a lot of ownership will slant towards not just Aguilar, but Ertz, which mm-hmm. could make um, Archega White a really interesting GPP play. All right, so let's move on to tight end because I'm with you on Ertz. I think Ertz is... Ertz is probably going to blow up again. All Wentz did was look at him once mm-hmm. everyone went down. Goddard is injured. So uh, Ertz would – Ertz to me, Ertz and, what, Engram would be one and two. But potential shootout, Lamar Jackson. probably. You know what? I said Hollywood Brown was his favorite target. It's not. It's Mark Andrews. And Andrews is priced <laughs> up this week, 6800 on FanDuel and then 4600 yeah. on DK. But – I mean, I know he's not practicing. He's going to play. He was banged up. He was allegedly banged up last week. This guy has turned into an elite, an elite talent. Yeah, let's keep going with that. Um that cap Vernon Davis comp until uh, until it catches fire uh, and they put up the 13 touchdown season. Uh, I think that's what <laughs> Vernon Davis had that year. So I think that's what we're going for with, with Mark Andrews this year. Uh, yeah, he's priced up uh, the tight end three on Fandle. He's priced up as the tight end five on DraftKings, um, but you're still getting a, a decent discount to him relative uh, to Ertz, especially to Kelsey on DraftKings. He's a little bit closer to Ertz on uh, FanDuel. But um, again, we have this uh, extremely concentrated offense. Mark Andrews has seen 28% of the Ravens targets. He and Brown have combined for 57% of the targets. That's the second highest combined target share of any teammates this year. Uh, Baltimore, we've obviously seen what they've been doing this year in terms of fantasy points and especially fantasy points from Lamar Jackson and his arm. Uh, but they haven't in, they haven't been in a lot of neutral situations because they've just been putting up huge numbers. Uh, but when they have, they're, they're still a run heavy team. Uh, 47.5% neutral passing rate is the fifth lowest in the league right now. Um, so their passing volume could go up as big six and a half point underdogs, which would obviously benefit Mark Andrews potential volume. Kansas City ranked 32nd. In tight end schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed this season. They've already allowed the six most raw fantasy points to the position this season. Uh, Kelsey is obviously going to be in consideration just because of that game, but it's just really hard to get up to him with any 
lineup that that um, I think you're really going to like on Fandle with the touchdown equity. I, I could see it um, with Ertz and and Andrews being so close on Fandle. I could see going Ertz over Andrews, but the discount that Andrews gives you on DraftKings, I I don't know that you could really pass it up over there in cash games. Then we go to Darren Waller mm-hmm. of the Raiders. 5,900 Fanduel, 4,100 DK. I think it was because of pricing last week. He was just so popular. And right. He had the matchup against the Chiefs. John Gruden came out, though, and he said, listen, um, you know, Kansas City has Travis Kelsey. This is what we want Waller to be. He wants him to be the Raiders' version of Travis Kelsey. They're taking on the Vikings. And listen, I don't know what to make of the Vikings, to tell you the truth. Kirk Cousins is just such an enigma. It could turn into an ugly game, but mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up Waller because I had not really looked at Waller in my dummy lineups yet. It's it's just because of the simple fact that uh, from a from a DFS cash game theory point of view, uh, if we're going to pay down and we can't figure out where the hell to pay down at, just go with a high variance position. And yeah, it it's never fun to pass up on the Kelsey or the Ertz or the Andrews in this spot. Um, but like I said, tight end is, it, it's just turning into 2018. We have four, maybe five uh, great tight ends. Uh, Ingram already gets a huge hit because now we don't know what to expect with Daniel Jones. Will he probably still be one of the most targeted tight ends in the league? Yes, uh, but I I don't want to bet on that, uh, that it's valuable targets in Daniel Jones first start in a cash game. So we don't have really anything cheaper that we can rely on in cash games than Waller. Uh, 5,900 on FanDuel, uh, 4,100 on DraftKings. The Raiders should be in a pass-heavy game script as eight-point underdogs. You mentioned it. There's a really like decent chance that this game is just kind of slow and ugly and like 20 to 13 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but even if it is a spot where Raiders are down 20 to 7 and they have to throw a bunch in the fourth quarter, that's going to should benefit Waller enough to get over the value hump. 25, uh, sorry, 24% target share is fifth among tight ends so far. He has at least seven targets in both of the games. Uh, and even if Raiders aren't in a super negative game script, they are actually in the top half of the league in neutral passing rate, which is a little bit surprising for the Raiders. Uh, but that's obviously another positive for Waller right now. Our defense, so for me, the big decision on FanDuel is going to be Patriots mm-hmm. or Cowboys. They're both 5K. On uh, on DraftKings, it's a little different, though, because the Cowboys are priced up to 4300 and the Patriots are, are down at 3800 It's a pretty easy decision in my book. So help me out here. If I'm, if I'm on FanDuel looking for a defense, which one am I going for? All right, so I'll just kind of go over a couple of quick bullet points to compare the two. Uh, Patriots favored by 23 Cowboys favored by 21, uh, kind of drawing or, or kind of uh, splitting hairs there. The Jets, 26 in adjusted sack rate allowed. Dolphins, 29th in adjusted sack rate allowed. Splitting hairs there. Tiebreaker for me, New England is 6 in adjusted sack rate. Dallas is near the bottom in adjusted sack rate in terms of their defensive lines. So Patriots defensive line has been playing uh, better, which uh, in theory should be more pressures, more chances for turn- turnovers. And they're playing against Luke Falk. Well, even though Miami's quarterbacks are bad, they do have some experience. I'll, I'll make my bet on <laughs> the player making his first NFL start against uh, Bill Belichick. Okay. Is there a pivot off of those two teams? There's not a pivot. Um, if you absolutely need to pay down, if they're, if you need $400 in salary on either side and in your mind, 
it's going to get you up to a running back that's in a separate tier uh, or a quarterback that's in his own tier. And that's very important to you. You could make the argument to go with uh, the Vikings or the Bills just because defensive scoring is very volatile. One touchdown can switch the whole thing. If uh, Vikings are, are one of the bigger favorites, but like we said, that could just be like an ugly, slow game. Uh, the Bills are six-point favorites at home. The Bengals have the second-highest neutral passing rate in the league, the ninth-highest adjusted sack rate allowed. So if for some reason I'm, I'm – I want to get away from the two highest zone defense. Uh, I think Bills are probably the one for me, but I, I don't see myself getting away, especially on, on DraftKings, away from the Patriots in cash. Well, I mean, you said it last week, and it started pushing me toward either the Patriots or I don't even know who the other big defense was last week. There was a decision to be made. Uh, it was the Ravens, right? It was mm. the Ravens. And I just said, screw it. Let's go with the Patriots. And if you mm -hmm. had the Patriots, you were cashing last week. And if you didn't, yeah. it was going to be tough to cash. Yep. And I just feel like this week, one of those two top-tier defenses, maybe they don't put up 35, 37 points, but they're going to give you an edge over everybody else. And you have to pick the right one. I think For it's sure. a huge decision this week. And it normally is not going to be. For sure. And it's just because we have these two with this – um, just su such a similar setup in terms of these huge favorites and uh, what's going to be overwhelming ownership relative to the field. So let's move on to game theory, man. But before we do that, uh, Fantasy Draft's the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business. And we got the Heat coming again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. It's the Hooters main event with a $100,000 first place pay payout. It's uh, the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere in the NFL for week three. All right? No rake. That's it. No management fees taken out of the prize pools. So you're, you're making your money. And you don't have to lose 30% of your bankroll. Okay? So sign up. FantasyDraft.com today. Promo code 4 for 4 You get a free seven-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake entry fees. That doesn't mean that you got to deposit $1,000. just means your first $1,000 of games so go to fantasydraft.com, promo code 4 for 4 and you can win millions. I mean, that's just that's the dream, right? That's what we're all playing for here on DFS. Some of us for fun. I'm a lot of fun. I would like to win millions of dollars, though. It'd be really fun, TJ. So uh, your bankroll is going to love it. I'll tell you that much. Let's get to our game theory segment. Tracking early season trends is just two weeks, but the information you're about to give is going to be very beneficial when you're making your decisions this week i hope so uh one of the biggest edges we have in in early season dfs is uh jumping ahead of trends and being able to uh predict what's going to happen that hasn't happened yet uh it's once we get past week four or five i think it's really hard to find information that people don't have um we have a really good idea of who the the touch leaders, the target share leaders, the best offenses, the best defenses are going to be after four or five weeks. Um, early in the season, some of that stuff is all up in the air, and we have, we're going to have an information gap and a um, a a gap in how people interpret the information. The people that interpret interpret it properly, profitably, or properly are going to be the profitable players. Uh, just in NFL, there's so much data, so many people looking at the same things that after five or six weeks, it's, it's just really hard to get an edge research wise. Um, so a couple weeks ago, we already went over how to get an edge 
in terms of on the team level, looking at teams that might be good or might not be good. And that was in the week one podcast where we talked about exploiting the the early season Vegas line. So I really encourage uh, people to go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. And we're still early enough in the season where that's very relevant information. But another thing that we can get ahead of or or hopefully interpret correctly while the rest of the public isn't are our player trends. So like I said, um, after we have kind of a big data set, we can look at full season numbers and, and we're going to know for the most part what a running back's touch share is going to be, what a wide receiver's target share is going to be. And and ironically, after like, I don't know, 10 weeks or something, we could stop looking at full season data again and just look at the more recent trends. Um, but this is the time where we have to just like project stuff that still hasn't happened yet. Uh, when those target and touch shares haven't evened out, when we have players with a big gap in week one usage and week two usage, trying to figure out uh, what that really means and looking for those big swing in usage, that's how we're going to uh, figure out where these exploitable spots are. All right, so let's get into some of the things that mm-hmm. you've actually uh, found yeah. so far, TJ. Give, give us some examples here. Sure. Um, so the the best way to do this is um, I'm not necessarily going to look at raw volume, which it, it can be useful, but I'm looking at, at touch shares because um, uh, that's a really good spot to be able to exploit what's going on uh, in the league and across the league and at the player level because an example is players that see increases in touch shares uh, like from week one to two like we're in right now. Uh, but that didn't really translate to big volume or to a big fantasy day. Those are really the spots we're looking for. So a good example of that is let's say we had a player that had like a 30% backfield share in week one, and then it jumped to 60% in week two. But maybe that player was in a uh, a really slow game or a game that they lost, and now all of a sudden they're big home favorites. So that 60% touch share in week two might not have popped in terms of value for people, but all of a sudden they're in a spot where not only can that 60% share grow, but their team can be in a really good spot to make that share actual volume. Um, so let me just go over some uh, specific examples of that from week one to two, and then I'll take a breath and, and, and let you digest it a little bit. Uh, but again, I'm looking at the percentage of running back touches for one team compared from week one to week two. So the biggest jumps we saw um, were Peyton Barber went from about 40% of, of Tampa Bay's touches to 80%. Uh, David Montgomery went from a little under 30% to almost 70%. Uh, then a few guys that aren't surprising, Mark Ingram, Saquon Barkley, uh, Zeke went from relatively low numbers to relatively high numbers. Those aren't really guys we're looking at. We know those guys are going to be a big volume guys, so there's not really a, a, a spot to exploit there. Uh, and then Carlos Hyde went from 45% to 75%. Frank Gorse, 50% to 75%. Um, now, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of let you digest that and and see if you have anything to say there. Well, Carlos Hyde makes me sick, but <laughs> yeah. he's right in the sweet spot. I mean, come on, man. 77% of the touches last week. Like, what are yeah. we doing here? What, yeah, what's that, going on? They get they bring Duke Johnson in, mm-hmm. and it's not like he had an offseason with him. And now they're bringing Carlos Hyde in. So I, I think if you just put raw data on there and you didn't mm-hmm. put a name next to it, it probably would be like, okay, this is not a bad play. Right. But you're showing me Carlos Hyde, man. 
I can't yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, so when I'm I'm in a situation like that, I mean, he was already it wasn't a huge jump. He was close to 50%. Uh, percent, and then that, that 77% jump was um, pretty big. Uh, the They were playing against the Texans who do, do have a pretty good secondary. They're in a spot where it. I think if it does get in a shootout, like we talked about a little bit earlier, um, Duke could get back in the fold a little bit more. Uh, I, I think the ones that are a little bit more predictable and useful are are the Barber Montgomery um, and pro- maybe mm-hmm. to a lesser extent gorgeous because I, I don't know that with Josh Allen in the backfield that he has the ceiling even if game script suits him. So Peyton Barber jumped to an 83% backfield share, which is a huge number. And now they're six and a half point favorites uh, versus the Giants in a game where game script can go really awry for the Giants because they're throwing Daniel Jones in the mix. Uh, and then David Montgomery, not on the main slate, but jumped to almost a 70% backfield share and they're four point favorites against Washington. So those are big jumps, but the jumps are so big that even to the average DFS researcher, I think they might be a little bit obvious and they might pop uh, on some tournament models or something like a, a four for four leverage score. Uh, and they might not be as unpopular as you might expect. Something that is, we're looking for something that's a little more subtle that could turn into something really big. And I think the most obvious example of that this week is Miles Sanders. Mm. So in week one, Miles Sanders went from a 38% touch share to a 54% touch share, which isn't a huge number. But now Philadelphia is uh, they're favored by a touchdown at home. And that obviously sets up really well for running back game script. So we could see Sanders, uh, get an even bigger touch share, not just a bigger touch share, but bigger volume because Philadelphia is expected to be up by a lot. And then you have a leverage situation. And this is where it gets really beautiful because the Eagles are going to be without two starting wide receivers and everyone's going to be looking to Ertz and to Aguilar. Those are going to be the guys that are going to drive ownership for the Eagles this week. And Sanders gives you a huge leverage play on that passing game and on players that are going to be really popular. But would it be crazy for a team like the Eagles without their top two receivers that instead of Aguilar just getting 15 targets that they go to a little bit more of a run heavy game plan because they don't have their two starting receivers. And if ownership doesn't reflect that, and we saw that touch share go up a little bit, Sanders could be, that's the type of play early in the season that, that, that breaks the slate because those, these are the type of games where Sanders becomes the workhorse that people are expecting that he gets the 70% touch share. He gets the hundred yards. He gets the two touchdowns and now he's not going to be, it's not, it, it's not coming out of nowhere anymore. And, and it's the game where when the guy wins the Millie and they have uh Sanders on, on it, you say, well, they were just guessing he didn't, he sucked the first two weeks and in preseason we thought he was going to be great, but there's no way he was gonna, he got lucky. No, it's, this is the type of setup where that play comes to fruition what we were thinking all preseason uh where we look back on week 17 and say oh we were done because we only uh we were taking a two-week sample size and thought that he was a bust this is the setup where he blows up and becomes that running back that we're expecting uh, you brought that up man again if jeffrey and, and deshaun jackson are down 
they're not going to throw every play. And, right. you know, it's Aguilar, Ortega Whiteside, and Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to have to run the ball. And I know Jordan Howard is there, but it might be a week where Peterson just says, let's go, kid, take it over. Yeah, so for sure, it's a great process you're going through there. So yeah. that's, that's my thoughts on the increases. The other guy I would just say is Mark Ingram. Because, uh, I mean, he, he's a guy that could break the slate, but yeah. also – I mean, I could see him getting, you know, six, seven points again, where sure. he has to find the end zone. So he's in a great game script. It should be a shootout. Get to the goal line a couple of times. They hand the ball off. The The volume from week one to week two, though, that w- that really stood out to me. Yeah, and, and that was a... Um... That was kind of a, a, a game script scenario. So the reason I, I'm not harping on that too much is because I I think people kind of understood that Gus Edwards got a lot of work because Baltimore was blowing out the um, the Dolphins in week one, and then they got into a, a, a close game against the Cardinals or a somewhat close game with the Cardinals in week two. So it made sense that Ingram uh, was in there. And even though Baltimore is uh, a significant underdog, I, I think the number is five or six, uh, there's so many points to be had in this game that I, I don't imagine people are just off of Ingram completely. So uh, that that increase in ownership will, or I'm sorry, in usage will probably be reflected in ownership uh, at least to an extent this week. Uh huh. And what about decreases then? We got decreases in backfield touches. We got decreases in targets. Sure. And there's different reasons for every single player. Right. Um, so I kind of went over the process of like what we're just looking for from these these changes in in usage. Uh, so I won't rehash that. But the the reasoning and what we're looking for from a decrease is a little bit different. Uh, I think the increase is a little bit more obvious. You're looking for guys that are uh, that that could continue that trend and uh, keep that trend going at an even higher rate. Whereas decreases were obviously not going to be excited about any um, big usage in decrease, but maybe one where it's not so big that uh, we should completely worry about that player, but where the the public is suddenly cold on that player after be really being really hot on them. Uh, so kind of a, a, a post hype sleeper, even though they weren't a, a sleeper a couple weeks ago. Um, I won't go through the whole list of the guys this week, but the one that I, I want to highlight the most is Chris Carson. Mm. He went from a 78% uh, touch share in uh, running back touch share in week one to 53% running back share in week two. And that's, sh- that's definitely alarming, especially because Rashad Penny uh, saw 10 of those touches were on the ground. Um, that That's a little concerning, but you can also leverage that public fear in that Carson was still the lead back and is still the lead back. One of the things that we argued going into the season, at least from a redraft level, was that even if Carson ends up being like a 55 to 60% touch share guy instead of a 65 or 70, that this Seattle offense is so run heavy, there should still be enough to go around. And as long as he's the RB1, should have GPP or league winning ability. Uh, now Seattle is in a game where they're going to be facing a backup quarterback um, against the Saints. They're favorites. They could be uh, in really good game script just because you're 
anytime you're facing a quarterback, making his first start of the season, a backup quarterback, a rookie quarterback, whatever it might be, that's potential for really good game script. So uh, in this spot, I do think Carson will be under-owned because of the drop-in usage and because of uh, Rashad Penny's increase in usage, but I think it's a spot to uh, to go against what the public is fearful of and recognize that he's probably still the lead back, even if it's not a 70% touchdown. Well, the fumbles is what scares me. Sure. That's the whole thing. Maybe sure. Pete Carroll says, all right, we're done with this, but yep. he just runs so violently and he's so mm-hmm. good in the pass game now. I'm with young Carson. That's a dramatic drop, though, from Seth. 53. Yeah. yeah, you threw Josh Jacobs out there, 89 to, down to 57. That was game script, which is something yep. we're really going to have to look mm-hmm. uh, look at looking forward. And then David Johnson went from 96 to 73. He missed a couple of series with a yep. wrist injury. So just sure. to, to point these things out, it all makes sense. But I'm glad you brought out, I think Carson really, to me, is the big one uh, to look at right there. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, um, those ones that are, are kind of easy to explain, like the Josh Jacobs. Now I think people have a pretty good idea that it's because of game script. So even though that drop off is dramatic and I, I, I think people are going to be able to, um, interpret that one correctly for the most part. So early in these first three or four weeks of the season, I'm looking for those, these confusing scenarios, the ones that people are going to shy away from and try to tell myself the story that makes the most sense. And that will benefit me relative to what the public thinks. All right. Let's go on the other side with targets then mm-hmm. the wide receivers and, just looking at Chris Godwin, I don't understand why he went from 18 to 43%. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. He is their best wide receiver. Um, I, I, I really believe that. I think he's yeah. a better wide right. receiver than Mike Evans at this sure. point. How the hell did it get that drastic? Like, what can you take away from that? Well, what I, I, I'm pretty sure is what happened is that in week one, they just spread it around to a lot of people. I mean, the leader in week one was, uh, was Chris Godwin with six targets, but then they had five players with at least five, six players with at least four. So they just spread the, the ball around a bunch in week two. They got back to what we expected minus maybe OJ Howard, which was a more concentrated target share. Uh, the thing that's going to fly under the radar is that Evans went from 15% to 38%. Mm-hmm. Godwin got the catches. He got the scores, but Evans saw, a. Uh, almost equal increase in usage. And not only did he see an equal increase in usage, but he's seen the bar v- ball very far down the field. I don't have his average depth of target in front of me, but I believe it's over 15 on the season. So again, this is a scenario. People are going to, the, the obvious knee-jerk reaction, Godwin went up in target share. People are going to know that because he had the big game. This is where you go contrarian. We know that wide receiver usage is volatile, or at least wide receiver scoring is volatile. The usage is usually going to be consistent. We expected this to, to be a very concentrated passing game between these two players and then maybe O.J. Howard. Now we're seeing it. Um, or at least we saw it in week two. So we need to pounce on Evans before he has the big game. Uh, it might not happen this week, but they're facing a giant secondary that has been absolutely putrid. And that I think that's probably the most important increase in target share to pay attention to this week is Mike Evans. Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown went from 19 to 37%. I just think that's efficiency right there. This, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but he's that efficient. Right. He's he's just shown that he is he's great and he's got he's got a wonderful rapport with a really good quarterback. Anybody else that really stood out to you here? Um I mean the rest of the guys I think were more just 
getting back to uh, like what we expect. Lockheed went from ten and a half percent to thirty four percent, but I, I mean, I, I probably isn't surprising to most people. He's going to regress to like that twenty plus percent somewhere. Curtis Samuel's interesting, eleven uh, percent to twenty seven percent, just because he is also adding a, a relatively high depth of target on that increase in target share. Again, an offense that we expect to see somewhat concentrated. Uh, Cam just hasn't looked right, hasn't been able to get the ball to his receivers, so it hasn't uh, accumulated in terms of fantasy points. But Curtis Samuel's probably one to pay attention to as well. All right, buddy. I think that was pretty comprehensive right there. Anything else we need to get to? Uh, I, I think we nailed it. Uh, if you want a little bit more detail on all of those changes, you can uh, you can check out my Twitter. I, I ran through all those today. Uh, Holden tweeted at it and, and suggested we talk about it, so we did. So you can go on either of our Twitters and find all of that there. Yep, he's at TJ Hernandez. I'm at Holden Radio. We got uh, 25% off the DFS sub. I'm telling you, if you're not doing it, you're – you're not doing it right. Just do it. Go to 444.com. DFS MVP is the code. 25% off the DFS sub only. And then, of course, TJ, the rate and review t-shirt giveaway. Um, everybody seems to be pretty nice, right? They haven't been mean yet. We got a lot of love on the um, on the reviews last week. Uh, I didn't count, but I'm, I, it might have been a, a record for reviews Ooh. in a week. Uh, so really appreciate that. Um, really seeing the listener numbers go up. So uh, thank you guys so much to, to you guys that are just listening, reviewing. I mean, if I could give all you guys a T-shirt, I would. But I think Josh Moore would yell at me um, and Luis to a lesser extent. So we got to keep it to one a week. Uh, but but I appreciate it. If I'm if I'm in your town, or you're in mine. I'll, I'll at least buy you a beer. Uh, I got a Smurf. Appreciate you guys. Do you like Smurfs? <laughs> sure. Like a legit 1980s Smurf. All right. I will That's... give away the volleyball or tennis Smurf. But you have right. to put it in the review. Like these guys are the best. They are they're like the Smurfs of the Washington Redskins from the 1980s. That's how great they are. And I will legitimately send you a Smurf. All right, good luck with that, guys. Let me know how that <laughs> review goes, and I'll let Holden handle uh, the details on that. <laughs> Bye-bye. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Ain't nothing going on but the bomb bomb rap song hitting all night long. Just like me on the black and white ivory, getting six on a T-Delete. You don't want to see a Jeep break your toes like dishes, bust around the tricks, sleep with the fishes running from Lennox up at Venice. They want to have me a strike.